Good afternoon. Adam, how are you today? Um, excellent, Jack. How about yourself? I am excellent, too, even though the sun isn't shining. I'm usually only excellent when the sun's <laughs> shining, but today I feel pretty good. Well, so we, good. Don't get, we don't get too much sun here, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking, I'm not talking to the cavernous background of my partner here. I'm uh, talking about our guest. We have a guest with us today, which is always fun, always nice, always interesting. And especially this man. So Adam, who is this guy? That's it. Sitting here looking good. That's right. So yes, welcome everybody to, to another episode of uh, Dirty Secrets of Small Business. And today we're joined, uh, we're joined here by Peter Hans of Discovery Map. Uh, so Peter, welcome aboard. Glad to have you here today. Thanks, Definitely. Adam. Welcome, Thank you, welcome, Peter. Thank you. <laughs> so Peter, Peter's got a very interesting story that, that we're going to have him kind of share. And, and, and as part of his background, he has a lot of similarities with or, or combinations of, of stuff with Jack and I between uh, spending some time as an investment banker and also traveling the world and seeing a lot of different parts of the world. Um, so we'll have some of that kind of uh, background to kind of to kind of get us started. But we'll we'll delve into. Uh, your journey, which has been a, as you described it, you know, during our, our, our pre-show preparation here is kind of very, a, a circuitous route. And so uh, that's an easy word to kind of say, it just rolls off the tongue, right? But uh, <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll kind of go along that path as it kind of goes. But why don't you start out, uh, Peter, by just giving our audience a, a little bit of background and kind of, you know, kind of where you grew up and just kind of started your career in banking. Kind of take us a little bit through that and we'll kind of uh, highlight some of those, those key points along the way. All right, but first of all, thank you both very much for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure. Um, yeah, so I grew up in Albany, New York, which is uh, it's about 150 miles north of New York City, the capital, by the way, of New York State, I, I have to point out. Um, yeah, and I, and I lived there, went, went to school, high school there, and then ended up going to college at a little place called St. Michael's College in Vermont, in uh, just outside of Burlington, Vermont. Uh, and funny enough, I'm, I'm back here again and have been for the last 20 or so years. So I, I very much caught the New England bug and, and the Vermont bug. But anyway, so, so after I graduated from St. Mike's, I moved to Boston and I worked there uh, in equipment financing, kind of a Blakely uh, in the banking industry. And then after a while, I, uh, in the evenings, I began to study for a MBA, a master's degree, uh, in finance, actually international finance, at uh, Babson College, uh, which is just to the west in Wellesley, Massachusetts. Yeah, and, and uh, Babson had a tremendous uh, international internship program that I was lucky enough to, uh, to be accepted into. And so when I finished up my MBA, or the, the last few credit hours of my MBA, I ended up uh, traveling to Zurich, Switzerland for a summer, for three months in the summer, uh, and working in uh, the, the uh, project finance department of Union Bank of Switzerland. And that was, uh, that was a life-changing experience. Really, really great to, uh, to learn from some really top experts in the field about uh, limited recourse finance and also get to see the world. I, I, after, after having done that internship, I very much wanted to stay, you know, wanted to kind of find a permanent position uh, in Europe. And uh, sure enough, I did. In fact, I ended up sitting in the same office uh, that I was as an intern. So uh, yeah, working on the same, spot. <laughs> yeah, working on the same transactions. So um, yeah, so, so that, that's how I got started. Um, and let's see, I, I went from, you know, UBS treated me well, and I, I lived in Zurich for six years. And then uh, 
after uh, doing a bunch of deals there, I got transferred to London and I ended up uh, living in London for uh, work, first working for UBS and then some other banks, Fuji International Finance and uh, ultimately the uh, European Bank for Reconstruction and Development. And I lived there for about six years. Maybe there's a theme developing here. And then uh, at that point, uh, I decided to, I, I met the, the kind of love of my life and uh, somehow convinced her to move back to the States with me. She, she's English. And um, yeah, so, but instead of just kind of doing the normal thing, I like hopping on an airplane, um, I decided to sail my 40 foot sailboat back. Um, yeah, and we went all around the houses, as the British people say. We went from uh, from the south coast of England to to Portugal, first Spain, then Portugal, uh, then across to the Canary Islands, then to uh, the Caribbean, uh, St. Lucia, Tortola, then we went to Bermuda, and finally uh, to Newport, Rhode Island, where the boat sits today. Um, yeah, so it was a kind of a long, windy road. How long? How long were you? How long were you doing that? How long did that? Were you on the uh, on the cruise? Well, not cruise. Well, I guess this is a cruise. Yeah, sure it was. It, it was broken up into parts. The, the, so from from Brighton on the south coast of England to to Portugal took about two weeks. Uh, we didn't. We we kind of put in, in at various places along the coast of Portugal, and then um, left the boat there. That was let's see. That was in like August. And then came flew home to the states, kind of moved back to the states, and then I came back in in early uh, November, as the hurricane season was finishing up, and then and then took the boat from uh, from Portugal to the Canaries, and that took about five days, and then we did some final preps there in the Canaries, and then the main crossing from from Los Palmos in the Canary Islands to to uh, Tortola. That took just under 18 days for us. Although we took a lot of stick from the other boats in the rally because we had a really fast haul, but we, we kind of, you know, it was, it was rough weather at the outset. We, we pointed away from the wind to kind of give the crew and the boat a rest. So we, yeah, we took, a, we, we, we would, we would pass boats as we were coming across and we hailed them on the radio and we banter back and forth. And they're and they're like, you know, what couldn't, couldn't you find the right path? You know, <laughs> <laughs> So we, we, we should have done it faster, but so, you know, in the end, it took about 18 days and then, and there, and then sailed up from Tortola to, uh, sorry, from St. Lucia to Tortola, very leisurely, you know, kind of uh, strumming guitars in the cockpit kind of thing. That took a few days, three or four days. And then we again left the boat in Tortola, uh, uh right after Christmas, kind of new years. And then, and then, uh, flew home and then came back and picked her up at the end of April. I think it was. And then did a, a quick trip, you know, kind of up from from Tortola to Bermuda, which was seven days. Spent the weekend in Bermuda, and then came in from there another five days from Bermuda into Newport. So I don't know, all told, probably thirty or so days on the water, but it was split up into bits. Nice. Where did where did you get your sailing experience? Oh, there's a good question. I, so I, I, when I grew up in Albany, uh, my folks had, my family had a place on Lake George, which was a beautiful uh, lake kind of cut out of the Adirondacks by glaciers. And uh, when I was a kid there, we would, we were all about motorboats, right? We'd do water skiing and all the, all the great things that the lucky kids get to do. And then, um, so I was a real boater all my life, but I, then I kind of put it away and, and moved on to other things. But one time when, when, uh, when UBS 
uh, merged with or you know read got acquired by uh, Swiss Bank Corporation, myself and all my colleagues left the bank. And uh, one of my colleagues' fiancés called up and said, "Hey, we we've chartered a boat in Greece, and we'd love you love you to join." And I said, uh, "I said, oh, that sounds like fun. I've always wanted to do it, but you know, I think I'm I think I'm not going to be able to make it." And she said, she she kind of pushed a little bit. She's like, "Well, uh, I know you're not busy." <laughs> because I, 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 I so she, she said, come on, come on along. So sure enough, we, we went, we flew to Greece and chartered a boat for a week. Uh, and I absolutely caught the bug. Uh, it, you know, from then on, uh, there was no getting away from it. Very good. Very good. That's a great way to kind of transition. It sounds like it took almost over the course of about eight months to a year. Like you said, when you started it to, you know, ha having the stops along the way, but for you to kind of transition from what you were doing, Kind of again, I'll call it this kind of jet setting. You, you're traveling around the world, even though you, you're based in Europe. You spent some time down in, in Australia and New Zealand. You talked about as well. So you kind of traveled around a bit, and so now you're kind of over that year. You're kind of you know settling in, uh, coming back to that circuitous route. You know, again, even your 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 other uh, sailors were were, were were noticing that route, right? In terms of how you how you're sailing across. But to give you that yeah. time to kind of to kind of uh, I guess decompress and kind of get ready for what was what was to come. So was there some big thing that was drawing you back to the States? You know, was there a big opportunity that you had that was kind of bringing you here or just, again, it was just something that you were just looking to do? Well, it was, you know, it, sadly, sadly in a way, it wasn't a big opportunity. It was, you know, my folks were kind of getting of an age where they, you know, my dad was starting to get sick. And um, right before I left Europe, I had the opportunity uh, to, to stay with UBS and, and move to Asia. Uh, and work either in Singapore or, or Beijing or somewhere over there. And, um, and because my dad wasn't well, I thought that's a little bit too far. You know, Europe was far enough. That was a little bit too far. So I thought, you know, now's probably a good time for me to come home. I think it was kind of at that point, it was like, I either come home now or I don't. You know what I mean? It, it was uh, the folks, my, my friends and colleagues over there who didn't come home after, you know, 10 or 12 years, they ended up staying and I would have been perfectly happy to stay. I just, you know, I'm an American and, and, uh, and my, and my family was here and, you know, and, and a lot of the things that I love were here. So, so the, I think that, that was it. I think I just, just needed to get back to my folks. Got it. Okay. No, that's it makes a ton of sense. Like I said, you know, coming down this route, it's assessing kind of where you are and, and seeing what the next step's <laughs> going to be. So not quite sure what's going to happen. You, you, you come back you get settled back in Vermont and so, so you know, what happened at that point when you got back to Vermont? Well, so you said, you know, there was a long trip, so I had some time off, kind of, so I wasn't working. And it, and it was fortuitous because um, my wife um, had during, you know, sometime before we left Europe, become pregnant. And so my, my first daughter was born during that, after we, were, after we uh, got back, but, uh, but before I started working again. So I had the opportunity to to spend time at home when my first daughter was was an infant and that was great in fact it was kind of funny when i left my wife to go sail the boat over uh it was as i said it was in november kind of early november and then when i she she met me she and my whole family met me in tortola when we got there and uh, so i hadn't seen her in two months or ne near enough two months and when i left she was carrying molly um, you know, she's an athletic gal and everything. And she, you could, you could barely tell if at all that she was pregnant. Well, that wasn't the case when I, <laughs> when I saw <laughs> on the dock in, in Tortola. Yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. I had the shock on your face. Like, Oh my goodness, there she is. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was quite a, quite a shock. Yeah. 
but um, but yeah, so so it was so it was a transition not only in geography, but it really in, in life. You know what I mean? I'd gone from being a single guy running around Europe to being a married man with with a child on the way. And sure enough, Molly was born, and I stayed home for a handful of months beyond that. But then I then I moved to, um, to you know I, I didn't move physically, but I, I I took a job here in this little tiny uh, valley that we live in called the Mad River Valley. Uh, there was a very small very kind of private defense contractor doing really cool stuff that unfortunately I can't too, talk too much about. But um, yeah, I did that for a year. I, I acted as their uh, chief operating officer. And then um, one of my colleagues, Asa, said, you know, you really ought to look at buying my folks business. They, um, they've been uh, running this map franchise business, kind of advertising based map franchise business for years. And they're, you know, they're getting of an age and kind of things are moving, you know, and they're thinking maybe they're going to move on to the next thing. So, you know, you really ought to speak with them. And sure enough, I did. And they turned out to be great folks and uh, and ended up after a after a brief, relatively brief negotiation, uh, ended up acquiring a company called Resort Maps. So so here you are, you're, you're just settling into kind of a, a new job, only about a year into it. And, it, and somebody there is like, hey, kind of thing. Like, hey, oh, by the way. It wasn't something that you were actually looking for. Just oh, by the way, and so, what prompts you to pursue it again? You know, you know, just you know, because you weren't thinking about this. You know, it wasn't like you came back saying, "You know, I want to find my own thing." It just so you know, is there anything that kind of jumped out at you that you know made you want to say, "Let's let's take a look at this thing and just kind of see what's there." Yeah, you know, well, it's first of all the, the map business that that I currently um, am involved with. It's it's very much about travel right i mean you know you know it's 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 we help others do you know find find cool things when they're traveling so and that was something that of course i had picked up uh as a knack and a and a and a and a, and, and something i really appreciate during my business overseas right i've been i think i was away for about 12 years i was lucky enough to travel to pretty much all the european capitals and and uh adam as you kind of alluded to earlier i also I was I, in in the finance world. I was kind of in the, the extractive industries, you know, oil, gas, mining, and metals. And sure enough, most of the big reserves, you know, are, are in the developed world have already been mined or drilled out. So you had to go to these kind of distant places, right. and um, you know, I found it fascinating. So I love to travel, and um, so that was very much uh, piqued my interest. Uh, with regard to the maps. And also the map business is a franchise, albeit a small franchise, but a franchise nonetheless. And one of the things that I really enjoyed doing in my, in my finance days was negotiating contracts. So, so this business is very much a contract-based business. Um, yeah, so I think it was those two elements really that attracted me to it. Good, okay. And, and so love for travel and love for negotiations. All right, that's good. So, okay, so so she says, oh, oh by the way, it's so, okay. So you went and talked to, this is um, her mom and dad that, 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 that had run this thing for a while. And so, yep. you know, here you are, a very experienced international negotiator coming down to talk to a small mom and pop map place. And so how did that go? I mean, you know, had you been in a room like that before, you know, compared to what you're kind of used to going into from a negotiation standpoint? Well, I guess yes and no, you know, I mean, you know, when back in the finance world, we, you know, the, the, the team that I was on, we would do deals, the, the, the lower limit of the transactions that we do uh, was $100 million. So there wasn't not a lot of room for, you know, kind of personality or, you know, kind of, uh, 
I don't know what, you know, just, um, it was, it was all business and there, and there wasn't a lot, there wasn't a lot of fun. Um, so, so this was different, you know, starting with the original negotiation of the purchase with Larry and Kathy and, and moving on later to, um, to negotiations with franchisees and, and other contractors, you know, it's it very much a personal business, you know, you're, you're dealing with individuals. And, uh, so that was a different side of business that I, you know, kind of found late in life. And, uh, find it nice, you know, it's, you know, sometimes it's challenging, but, but, you know, you end up dealing with, with real people and that's great. And, and one kind of funny story about the negotiation of the purchase of resort maps, um, Larry Murphy, who was, who was my counterparty, the seller, uh, there was one point in time when he was actually, I was negotiating for a higher price and he was negotiating for a lower price, you know, and you don't typically find that uh, with sellers <laughs> and acquisitions. But uh, I think I think what I was suggesting was maybe some some element of deferred payment. And he's like, look, I'll take less money. I just want to be paid and move on, you know. So uh, so that I thought that was kind of funny, though. And it spoke to the relationship. He's a really good guy. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was kind of funny. Well, you know, to your point, it's, it's one of the things, with, you know, with, with my background on, on Wall Street and dealing with big corporation stuff and Jack's you know, early career with the, the, dealing with big corporation stuff, you know, to come down to the small business world, right? We, we often have to kind of decorporatize ourselves. That's why that's why I was asking, because again, here you come in, you have certain expectations. Here's here's how things are. Here's kind of the, the, the rules of the road. And you get in that room, it's like, wait a minute, I've never seen that before. Hey, they're, they're doing this or, or they're, they're joking about that. Or again, it's, you know, they're just telling me how it is. There's some sort of game going on, or they aren't doing this game theory. Again, it's they're just they're having the conversation. Right? It's a whole different way of engaging. To your point, so okay for you after being in a, you know, again big international finance, and you know it's a very big machine. This is very right. very personal. You know, very very different from that standpoint. So I guess you know the, the negotiations must have gone well because you negotiated something that, that that Jack and I will often tell people not to do, which is you had. Um, the, the prior owners stay on not just for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. You have to stay on for eighteen months, eighteen months. And so, talk a little bit about how that kind of came about and kind of how that how that progressed and how that was helpful for you as you were getting up to speed with the business from that standpoint. Yeah, you know, like uh, as you suggest, I you know, I I knew as as close to nothing about um, marketing and advertising and you know, kind of franchising and all those elements of this business. I knew nothing about it. So, so to me, it was very comforting having the subject matter experts willing to stick around and kind of coach me through it. Um, and, and sure enough, and so not only did they agree to stay on for a very wholesome uh, transition period, but they also continued to own some franchises themselves, which to me was a great endorsement of the business overall. Um, yeah, and, and, and we worked together well, you know, uh, particularly Larry and I, we would go on, map making trips together you know when we be, we start a new map we always bring um someone from from our office to lay out the map and also to kind of to get a feel for the area so we so we can kind of understand for down the road when we're dealing with issues in the territory we, we kind of understand what it is that's going on there so uh so yeah so i would i i, I work together with larry we used to have a lot of fun we 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 often I, I don't know if i should say this on air but we'd we'd pick up a bottle of single malt whiskey <laughs> and ah, good for uh, you yeah we, we we'd have some we'd have some good evenings laughing and joking about anything um what, what does one gather when he goes on a map trip uh well we we look for the calm oh you mean what, what type of whiskey or what or what information <laughs> <laughs> the information right yeah <laughs> yeah the, the information yeah you know we we often visit with the the the, what I'll call the DMO, the destination marketing organization of the area, that would be 
For smaller communities, that's typically a chamber of commerce. For larger communities, that might be the Convention and Visitors Bureau. Um, and we and we kind of we literally drive around and 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 look for the commerce, right? I mean, it's easy if you know if it's Main Street, of course, you're gonna you're gonna put that on the map. But but you also want to find these outer lying businesses that might you know, might, I won't say struggle to be found, but might benefit from, from being on a map and, and, and not being obvious to the, to the uninformed visitor. So, so we drive around, we look for the types of businesses that we think the map might suit. Um, and we also try to, you know, get a feel for the area. How, you know, where's the commerce? You know, what, what, you know how do they market themselves? What, what's the best foot they want to put forward? That kind of thing. So do you start with a, uh, uh, a physical building and setting and then go in and approach the owners and discuss, you know, their, their history? Is that, you know, that personal? Not in the original layout process. That, that's really worked for the, for the local franchisee to do and, and kind of get to know folks okay. on a personal basis. We're just kind of, we just parachute in for a couple of days, kind of get the lay of the land maybe as i say meet meet some of the folks from, from who whose profession it is to to market that destination um but and and we might you know of course we're gonna you're gonna go out and you know pick up a sandwich and you know have dinner and you know we we always like to introduce ourselves what we're doing why we're there you know kind of soften you know kind of um you know make people aware that there's going to be an opportunity in the not too distant future to advertise on a map yeah, but you're well received. I don't think anyone's ever kicked you out, right? Except no, for the, no, maybe always... for the whiskey, though. Maybe for the whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's always fun, you know. And and of course, there's a few like close brushes, um, you know. And like I've been asked, and my colleagues have been asked. I don't always go. Sometimes it's a colleague, you know. We uh, the police might say, "Hey, what are you? Why are you taking all these pictures?" Or you know, "What are you doing looking at that?" Or you know, one time I think I think I wasn't there, but I think a couple of colleagues got a little bit too close to a military installation and uh, and got brushed back a little bit. Or these days we sometimes put a drone up in the air to get some uh, aerial photographs. Oh, and of course, you you know you have to be mindful not to break any local ordinances or anything like that. So yeah, it's a, there's always an adventure for sure. Yeah, I, I could imagine. That sounds good funny i was trying i'm trying to, 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 to combine the fact when we we're talking to, to pre prepare for this you mentioned you know kind of described yourself as kind of like glorified chauffeur you know as part of doing this stuff and then you mentioned the picking up the, the bottles of whiskey think wait a minute that, that was after you you were done with chauffeur duties right but uh as far as i'm willing to admit publicly yes right there, but, but what's good about this too is, is, is you talked about you know one of the key things that you kind of touched on here but i want to make sure that, that, that i kind of draw attention to it you know your, your time of traveling around peter you talked about how it's it's so much different. I think I think most of us can, can relate to this. It's so much different going to to a city where you know somebody. You know, you're going there and you're meeting with somebody who's a local that kind of knows you know certain stuff. Versus you come in just totally cold to the city, right? And yeah. so I think part of how you describe what what your maps do is your maps you know enable if you don't have that local there. Well, this is a way to kind of get that that local feel, right? So as you're trying to go go about doing, it, you're trying to say, here's how, here are things that you want to be able to kind of go see. And so it's like again having that 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 local with you, even though you, you may not know somebody as part of that. So that's kind of is that a fair way to kind of describe the kind of that the feel you're trying to give people as part of part of your maps? Absolutely. So, so as we discussed last time, you know, when I if I when I when I used to do a lot of traveling overseas, I'd go to a you know a new city, I don't know Stockholm or Oslo or you know wherever, and um and and it, it was a completely different experience if I went there cold without any real knowledge. You know, obviously you can kind of look around and figure out which end is up, but if you know somebody who lives there or has spent a significant amount of time there 
Um, and if they host you and, and kind of bring you to great places, that's that's first prize. But but all, even if they just kind of give you a little brief of like the fun places to go visit, it, it makes for a completely different experience, right? The stuff you don't find in guidebooks typically. So yeah, so I, I, I try to bring that uh, element to, to our maps and, 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 and also to our digital presence online, um, to, you know, kind of like I heard it from a friend, you know what I mean? Kind of like to get that local flavor, to find those areas, those, those businesses, those, you know, kind of scenic views that, that you might not see otherwise. I, I think that's for me, a big part of the discovery of new places and, 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 and travel. So, so yeah, I, I think that's a, a big element of what we're trying to convey to visitors. Okay, so let's go. Let's go back to the acquisition. So, so when you when you bought it, if I have the numbers right here, I think there were, there were sixty four franchises at that point. And so, talk a little bit. You know what you did early on to kind of um, get the business start started, kind of growing, and you started kind of put your stamp on things. What kind of things were you doing early on to kind of help? Kind of again, as you were learning the industry, what things were you starting to kind of do that you saw as kind of some. That's the easy wins. But again, things that, again, you take your experience and I say, hey, we got to do A, B, and C to make this thing start to kind of work better. Right. Well, so 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 let me describe the, the kind of starting point in, in a funny way. So so I called the first contact I had with the business. I called them and uh, and the voice, the outgoing voice message, you know, the central answering service or whatever. There, there were only four members of staff and it, it turns out it was two couples. Larry and Kathy Murphy and Bud and Barbara Murphy. No relationship, just coincidental. So, so you know, you talk about a mom and pa. <laughs> this, was, this was a very small, very close-knit business. Um, and then, of course, you know, fast forward a couple of months and I walk in the door for the first time. And, and it's exactly as you might imagine. It's, you know, it's, it's two couples doing a great job to kind of publish 64 map publications every year. And it, it, it might, you know, without ha ever having done anything like that, it might be hard to visualize, but, but you can imagine. And of course, we live in North America, right, where the weather's warm in the summer and cool or even cold in the wintertime. So most people like to travel in the nice weather. So most of our maps, most of those 64 maps got published, say, from the middle of March to Memorial Day, right? So, so there's a big crescendo of activity and, and kind of quiet in the summer and kind of quiet around the holidays. So um, if you can imagine two people who one full-time and one part-time trying to put all those maps together in, in a relatively small period of time, it was chaos. It was complete chaos and, and no discredit to them. They, they, they were tremendous to be able to even pull it off, but it was, you know, a lot of folks were late, you know, th this change, I got to stick another advertiser in my artwork isn't ready. It was complete chaos. And, and unfortunately, that these folks were working, you know, deep into the night sometimes. And it, it just seemed to me that if we were going to grow the business, we would have to systemize it. You know what I mean? We would have to kind of create a, a process flow, if you will, that, um, that was a little bit more amenable to smooth operations and a larger kind of funnel, a lar larger throughput. So, um, so I, I promised people when I acquired the business, I'm not going to do anything for six months. I'm just going to sit back and learn. And I did. I, I didn't make any changes. I just kind of assimilated information. But then th that was the most glaring issue that I saw was that the production process, and I say production, it's really the pre-press process, you know, bringing, bringing the 
the digital files to a, to a form, a state that we're ready to send off to the printer. A lot of proofreading to get all the details right, that kind of thing. And a lot of, you know, each, each year maps change and in little ways, you know, certainly there's going to be new advertisers. Some old, old advertisers may go away. Uh, there might be road changes. There might be new buildings. There's, there's always going to be a little of something. So that production process um, needed to be kind of systemized a little bit. So, so after six months, having kept to my word, I, I started to, to look at that and, and to make some changes. And I can tell you it was not warmly received <laughs> because we needed to we needed to put up some some boundaries, right? You know, so it's it's all well and good that you want to sell a couple more ads, but you can't keep us on tender hooks here at head office uh, as we wait to figure out when you're going to finish. So yeah, so that was a, that was a pretty significant change for some folks, uh, but we managed to do it. It was a little there was definitely a wobble at first, but I think in the end, <laughs> people came to understand the, the benefits of doing it that way. And as I say, it kind of allowed, it kind of cleared the funnel, if you will, and allowed us to, to step on to be a little bit larger organization. So uh, sure enough, you know, we went from those 64 maps and you got that exactly right, Adam. Um, we went from 64 and then in the course of, gosh, I don't know, six, seven years, we, we ended up, we were over a hundred maps. And then it was about that time that we got together with a West Coast entity, actually Washington State, called Discovery Map. They were doing what we were doing similarly. Let me, let me ask a quick question here. What happened to the Murphys? Pardon me? What happened to the Murphys? Well, um, so Kathy, yeah, Kathy, who was the, the salesperson, she, she did the sales for their four maps uh, after the acquisition, the four franchises that they kept. And, uh, and Larry stayed in the office and he was doing uh, pretty much all else. He was a member of the production team. He was doing all the franchise work, contract negotiations, all that stuff, accounting, bookkeeping. Uh, he was looking after it, maybe not doing the actual bookkeeping. And um, and yeah, so they stayed. So Kathy left because because she really wasn't in the office much. She was out selling. Um, so after about nine months or so, she she came to me and said, "Look, you know, happy to stay if you want me to, but it, it feels like I'm doing other things." And, you know, you don't need to be paying me. So why don't I just move on now? And, and I said, that's fine. No problem. You know, and then uh, but Larry stayed dutifully stayed the full 18 months and uh, and handed off at the end of that time. And uh, and they continued to run. The, they, they had four maps when 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 we made the acquisition and then they they, they bought a few more. In the end, I think that they, they might have at least for a period owned as many as seven maps, seven mm -hmm. franchises. Uh, but then eventually unwound them as they, uh, as you know, kind of they moved on to another phase of life. And, and now they're, they're out of the business completely uh, doing other things. They own a small retail shop nearby. Uh, then they still advertise on my wife's uh, map. So <laughs> <laughs> good. All right. So, so, so you're, you're about six years in. And you said there was this West Coast company and, and talk about how you discovered this company because I think it's, it's an interesting story in terms of just how you kind of learned about it, how you kind of kept kept tabs on them and everything else. But talk because again, I think we may fail to mention. So this company that you bought from the Murphys was called Resort Maps, right? That's so, right. So this West Coast, this is the the Discovery Map piece of it. But talk about how this kind of came about. Yeah. So so um so not long after I kind of you know got you know put my feet under the desk at at Resort Maps. I became aware that there was a competitor on the West Coast, which was significantly smaller. Again, what do we say? 64 maps on the resort map side. And Discovery Map had 
oh, probably when I first learned about them, you know, mid to late 20s, 20, 25, 30 maps uh, franchises. And then they grew, I think the maximum they ever got to is about 45. Uh, but they were growing fast. They, they, you know, they were very ambitious. Um, so I became aware of them and I found out, um, you know, I wanted to keep tabs on them because I, I very much focused on them as, as, you know, kind of a benchmark as a competitor. We were an Eastern East coast company moving West. They were a West coast company moving East. So it was clear that, that we were going to cross paths soon enough. And um, so the way I kept tabs on it was kind of interesting. And, and I, you know, I haven't done this in a while, so I'm not sure it's still possible, but I believe so. Each year, uh, a franchisor needs to uh, have an offering circular. And in the, in the franchise world, that's called a franchise disclosure document. Uh, and it is, it's just like a securities document. It's an offering circular. And you have to, a few states, I think there are about 13 states that are collectively generally referred to by attorneys as pre-registration states. So, so we have to use a, a very uh, kind of structured document, structured by the Federal Trade Commission to convey information about our franchise to anybody who might be evaluating the opportunity. And, um, but, the, but these states, I think there are 13, there might be a few more, they, their standard is over and above the Federal Trade Commission standard. It's a little bit more stringent. So they require that you submit your FDD to them each year, and then they will evaluate it and, and you know, make change, you know, ask you to make changes if they believe necessary or approve it. And, um, and, and then you have to lodge that FDD with the state regulator. So California, the state of California being, you know, kind of a half step ahead of folks generally, um, they, they posted all of the approved franchisors offering circulars or franchise disclosure documents online at the Secretary of State's uh, website. You know, his PDFs kind of broken up into a cumbersome, you know, it, it, it wasn't obvious, but it was there nonetheless. So each year when, when Discovery Map would, would, um, would, would post their, their FDD with California, I would print it off and take it home and read it. You know, and I go, like, oh, what are they up to now? <laughs> you know, Great market uh, research, I love it. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I had some fun kind of keeping tabs on them. And, and their business, like I say, in, in, on its face was very similar to ours. The, the maps look a little different, but, but, but it was the same idea, you know, selling advertising on a caricature drawn kind of visitor friendly map. Um, but, but our, you know, we, we're a royalty based franchise whereby, you know, if, if, if our franchisees do well, then we do well. And, and, if, and if they don't do well, then, then we earn less, which is kind of a built-in stabilizer for their cost base, right? If I, if I sold less this year, then I have a little bit less in expenses. So it actually, I believe, helps the franchisee and it also helps us to kind of keep our interests harmonized. Um, the discovery map, before we acquired them, it was a little bit different. What they would do, it would, they would charge their franchisees for the printed maps. So all the expenses that Dis discovery map head office would incur the production activity that I referred to before, um, you know, printing maps, um, you know, anything really. And I'm sure there are lots of other things. They would bundle that all up in one price and they would charge, you know, uh, per map. If I'm going to print a hundred thousand map, it's going to cost me, you know, X, X cents, 50 cents or 40 cents or whatever per map. Uh, and that's an all inclusive cost. So, and, and they like to sell it that way that it's just, you just pay for the maps and that's it. There are no other costs or fees or anything. And, and so fair enough, but 
again, you guys will remember being finance guys yourself, that I'm a finance guy. And I, and I kind of like the whole built-in stabilizer model, you know, it, 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 in, in fact, I would call what Discovery Map was doing w- created a basis risk. So, right. So if I'm a franchisee, I'm selling advertising. That's my market exposure is the ability to sell advertising, but I'm buying printing really. I'm buying printing marked up for other costs. And those two things don't travel in lockstep. In fact, there, there's no relationship at all between the two. And that's a basis risk. And then if the economy turns down or advertising gets difficult or whatever, my, my costs are fixed and I'm in trouble. And sure enough, yeah, I think, I think that began to happen to Discovery Map because in 2007, 2008, as I'm kind of busily making new maps and doing my thing and kind of watching them from afar, I got a call from the entrepreneur and suggesting that we really needed to talk. So, so uh, I, I took that message loud and clear and, and we began talking. And, um, you know, I, I have, you know, you guys will appreciate, I, I did my cash flow model. I, you know, I, I, I evaluated the value of the business based on a, a net present value and um, discounted cash flow. And uh, I found it was worth something, you know, some number, I'm not going to throw numbers around, but some number. And I, I presented that to the entrepreneur and she, um, I like to say, this is not, literally true, but I like to say she puked on it. <laughs> he, didn't think, he didn't think that was the value of her company at all, funny enough. <laughs> now, so, now, she, now, now, hold on. So that, you know, and this is another point of lesson between what I call the more sophisticated market. You're, you're talking about, you know, discounted cash flows and net present value and all kind of stuff, right? When uh-huh. she came back to you, did she explain how she got the value that was different than yours or is this more like, uh, no, it's worth more than that. You know, did, did she have some sort of a, a, a nice buttoned up formula in terms of how she presented it or? No button up, somewhere in the middle, no buttoned up formula, but, 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 but a strong belief in the elements of intellectual property that she owned, which, which I think is a valid point to make, right? Um, you know, they had a great name, uh, brand name. Sure enough, we took it. So we, we saw value in that too. They also had some really interesting digital tools for, to help franchisees convey information to the head office and thus make the, the printed map production process a little bit uh, more streamlined, um, you know, so, so that they had these things that, you know, could you assess a, a you know, of cash value to, it would be difficult. Um, but, but, you know, but, but, but certainly she believed, as I think most small owners of small businesses believe that, that their business was worth a whole bunch, you know, I mean, oh, I, sure. I, don't, I don't think that's news to you folks. You know? <laughs> No, but it's always it's always good to hear how they come back. So we, we've heard a lot of things over the years in terms of, hey, well, it's, this is what I think it's worth, or this is what I invested in it, or this is what I need to retire, or this is what I owe people. There's a, a litany of how they describe what they think it's worth, right? But it, it's not necessarily based upon. So, so again, you, you come back. Okay, so that's good. You come back and say, I'm looking at this. I'm, I'm looking at the cash flow. And she's saying, that's fine, but you, you're missing some of these other intangibles. Okay, so she'd say, you know, making, making her case. And so yeah. you guys agreed to kind of uh, disagree at that point in terms of, you know, you each had your own kind of ways. Okay, that's good to talk to you, but we're going to, we're going to say no at this point and kind of just, and, and did you think it was done at that point or kind of what were you thinking? Very much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was a fairly intense period of a couple, I can't remember how long, but a few months we, we got together, we met face to face once or twice and certainly talked a lot and came to the point where we're too far apart. You know, let's, let's move on with, you know, let's be friendly competitors. And we were, you know, and, and that, that situation lasted for another, I don't know, 18 months or so. Um, and I was talking to a friend who, who by, you know, by happenstance was a franchisee. And, um, 
and, and said how I kind of lamented the, the passing of that opportunity, the missing of that opportunity. And he said, well, call her, you know, and, and me being, you know, kind of, you know, big investment bank negotiator, I didn't want to kind of make the first move. You know? there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's a dance here that one has to, one has to conform to. So, but so what I found some silly opportunity, I, I said, hey, I saw your map online, you know, I think it was Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Um, you know, congratulations, it looks great, whatever. And she said, hey, how's it going? Let's talk again, <laughs> you know, so. And then the, then the discussion started again uh, with a little bit more, um, what's the word I want to use here? You know, a little bit more meaning, you know, I think we were both a little bit more serious at that point. Yeah, 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 in a sense for each other at that point, because you, 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 like you said, you spent some time together over a couple of months, you got to know each other. So yeah, you had a sense of where it was kind of going. And uh, you knew right away that she accepted the call that she was willing to talk, it sounds like. So, okay, so this is where you work through it. And you actually got, you got a deal done. And, and if I recall, you, you talked about, and I'd like you to kind of describe for people how you justified in your mind what you called overpaying for this in terms of what you did in terms of the, the, the analogy that you used to kind of help yourself, talk yourself through this, I guess. Sure. Yeah. So, 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 you know, I think when we got back together, Victoria and I, we, we, um, you know, she, she, I think we'd both gotten a little bit of a dose of reality. I kind of recognized that I was going to have to pay more than what I thought the discounted cash flow value of the firm was. And I think that she recognized perhaps that her original hopes might, might be a bit, uh, you know, overambitious. So, so we got together, I think I visited the office out there. Yeah. And, uh, and talked and it all kind of moved forward very quickly. You know, we agreed a purchase price, uh, you know, a kind of a nameplate purchase price, which was, you know, a little bit, well, quite a bit more realistic than, than where we started. And then, but we also tacked on a few things as you guys are probably quite familiar with, you know, non-competition agreement and, I can't even remember all the other bells and whistles, but, you know, to kind of up the purchase price, you know, some of which were contingent on cash flow moving forward. Um, but anyway, so we, so we got to this point and, and, and I'm like, gosh, golly, you know, that is still an awful lot of money. But I told myself, you know, when I bought my first home so many years ago, I thought, how am I ever going to afford this? And then of course with, you know, fixed rate mortgages and, you know, income earning potential and inflation and all those other things, you know, four or five years down the road, in, in looking in the rearview mirror, it's like, oh, that, that wasn't that hard at all. And, and that's kind of how I looked at this acquisition. I knew that I was paying much more than the cash flow value of the firm, but I also felt that we were getting some important intangible assets, right? The, the business name, the, the West Coast footprint, um, you know, some digital tools that they were working on certain digital tools in their shop. We were working on some in our shop and they weren't easily complimentary, but, but by putting them together, I, I think we can say that the sum was greater than the whole of the parts, you know? So, and, and I saw all that. I kind of knew it was, there was going to be a fair distance between here and there. In fact, um, quick story. I was, I was on the beach in, in uh, Newport, Rhode Island, where I'm lucky enough to spend some time in the summer. And uh, one, of the, one of the group of guys that, that hang out there with their families, he, his, he was in the business of acquiring companies. You know, he worked for a big uh, publicly traded conglomerate and, and he, he was their guy to go and, you know, do due diligence and basically negotiate acquisitions. So I said to him, 
I said, so I'm, you know, I'm thinking about buying this company and I know that the integration is going to be a challenge. Um, but, you know, obviously you do this all day, every day. Um, you know, tell me what to expect. And he said, well, it sounds like you, you have, you know, reasonable expectations. You, you see it's going to be a challenge. He said, uh, take whatever you're thinking and multiply it by 10. And, and you'll be about right. <laughs> Good advice. I like that. Yeah, that is good. That's all right, I'd say. Yeah, it's um, a, a couple of things to kind of keep in mind. You know, you know, um, it's you know, as you're describing it, you know, you, you came with that again. I'll call that more professional mindset versus kind of hey, you know, negotiating in terms of just for a small business owner in terms of what they think it's worth, and there's a lot of emotion attached to it, right? In terms of what was kind of going on. Yeah. And so to find those kind of creative ways to kind of do some stuff, but it sounds like what you were doing, you were finding ways to make a deal happen. And there's, there's so many times, uh, Peter, we see folks that will find reasons. There's always reasons not, not to, to do a deal. People often will, will kind of default there. So instead of looking at those reasons not to do it, you're looking at the reasons, hey, how can we kind of get this thing done? And, and your point, and you can see it. And also, as you're talking about, because you were a strategic buyer, because you already had resort maps, you could mm -hmm. see things in terms of what was kind of going through. So, hey, there's, there's value in the name. There's value in some of these systems. So you, you can kind of see it versus if, if Discovery Map had been the first thing that presented itself to you, we may not be having this discussion because you, you may not be in the map business because it wasn't, you, you weren't ready for that. It was a very different thing, but because you were where you were and enabled you as a strategic buyer to kind of have some, you know, uh, ability to maybe kind of pay a little more. And I, I love the fact that you went back to her. Again, it maybe took a little product from your friend to kind of to go back and talk to her, but hey, you, you planted those seeds. And, and, and Jack and I are always amazed because we'll, we'll encourage every small business owner to talk to your competition, talk to them, mm -hmm. see what's going on. To your point, there might be things that you get, you can do to work together. You often learn stuff from each other and you plant these seeds that, you know, may not you know bear fruit for a few months or a few years, but again, you're, you're, you're kind of planting those seeds. And so um, I'm sure Victoria got called from other people as well, but you know, it was your call and the way you handled yourself that made her want to do a deal with you, which is fantastic. So, so you finally got that, that deal consummated. This was back in 2011 timeframe. So about so, so more than 10 years ago. Yeah. And so talk now again. So, your friend gave you that, okay, it's going to be 10 times worse than you think it's going to be to integrate stuff. So again, so talk about these, these last 10 years, a couple of some of those highlights in terms of how things have kind of gone for you as you've kind of merged those models together and, and, and kind of come out and talk about how you've started to kind of evolve Discovery Map, where you, you mentioned before in terms of some of the, the digital or, or online pieces that, that you're doing as well. But talk a little about this last, this last decade or so in terms of how that's kind of been for you, Peter. Yeah, well, the first, I would say 18 months to two years, Adam, was... It was, um, I like to use the analogy um, from, from sailing, you know, we were looking inside the boat, you know, we were, we, we were, we were focused on integrating the two companies and we were, we were not as aware of selling, you know, not, not as concerned with selling new franchises and doing things like that, looking at the market and competition. We were, we were, you know, bashing these two business models together. Um, and that took a good while. That, like I say, it took about eighteen months or so. We we kept all the staff. They had a they had a slim down staff in Washington because um, you know they again they'd had some ups and downs with with the economy uh, as well as some you know kind of legal issues. So so they had they went from a staff I don't know twelve or sixteen down to four, and the four or five they were really strong. They were the best of the best. <clears throat> so we kept them. Um, and worked with them for a, for a while. And then one by one, they all, it was hard, you know, I mean, working 3000 miles away from the office, 
um, was hard. So one by one, they all peeled away. One had an entrepreneurial opportunity that she took and did great things with. Um, one had a, you know, kind of was headhunted to, to be a personal manager of a bank and she's doing great. Uh, we actually still, still work with, um, one of, one of the four, he's, uh, he does our, our finance for us, believe it or not. I, I, I have a finance guy and, uh, he, he only works part-time for us, but he does great work. He's really, really sharp with taxes and things like that. So Brian is still involved. Um, yeah. And then time progressed and we, you know, after that 18 month, two month, two year period, we, we, changed our focus again back outside the boat, you know, and, and started to, to kind of embrace the world around us, try to start to, you know, kind of restart the growth of the, of the franchise business. And um, yeah. And as we did that, it, and in fact, to be, to be really honest, I really ever since I bought resort maps, but certainly since, um, since we acquired the other company, you know, I've been very focused on creating a meaningful digital footprint for our, you know, printed publication business. And um and, and again, being brutally honest, until now, I have to say that although we've made some progress, we have a long way yet to go. You know, we, we, we you know, the, it's funny when, I, when, when in our printed map business, our competitors are, you know, Tom and Sally or, you know, the guys who print the local guy, the local visitor's guide or the local map or whatever. Uh, on the digital world, it's it's not them; it's Google and Facebook. <laughs> so, so it's, it's a slightly different kettle of fish. Here. Yeah, but but we're not dissuaded. You know, we think that that we like again back to Adam what you suggested earlier. You know that whole oh I heard it from a friend kind of mentality. You know we're we're in the process of relaunching our website and it should be should be coming out in April. Um, and it's very much focused on that. We want to inform, but more than inform to inspire folks uh, to to travel to the really many great destinations around this country. In Canada and beyond. So, so uh, that's our focus. We, we, you know, we're we're busy working right now uh, as our production team gears up for for spring publications. Um, you know, the rest of the team here is is really working hard to to build something that's really interesting and really beneficial to folks to visit before they travel, to be inspired for new destinations, and sure enough, when they're traveling, <coughs> excuse me, to be able to find. Um, find really cool businesses and really cool things to do when they're visiting a new area. <laughs> Excellent. Well, you can tell from just how you present and talk about this stuff that you really seem to be enjoying yourself. And that's a, you know, that's a big part of this. You know, you, you talk about the whole personal nature stuff and, you know, not that you weren't having fun, you know, uh, gallivanting around Europe and, 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 and uh, Australia. Nobody said gallivanting out. <laughs> <laughs> that's my word that's right i'm sorry my, my, my I, I know um but as you, as you kind of come here as we, as we kind of tease before the the the, the, the working name of this episode is going to be the six-year itch because you, you'd kind of bounce after six years you, you kind of got you know hey i need to look at something else or something else kind of kind of grabbed your fancy but yeah here you are and as, as i hear you talking you know you're you're 15 plus years into this now and, and you're talking not about getting out you're talking about hey we got more stuff to do and you seem very excited about it. So as you look, you know, over the next five or 10 years of what, what you're looking to do, you see this going more digital in terms of what you're going to be. And, 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 you know, do you see yourself as being that sound like you guys are that leading player right now in the North American market and, and helping see that transition from that mom and pop that you came into with the Murphys, both Murphys, and then yeah. kind of going through to what you, you we see now. So and again, but you seem to be really enjoying yourself, have, have a lot of fun doing this, which is, which is people often lose sight of that. Yeah, you know, just be able to kind of enjoy yourself day to day in terms of what you're doing day in and day out. 
Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, it's, 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 it's fun work. You know, I have my, my colleagues here, I have a staff, it's not big, you know, we're, we're seven or eight folks, but they're great. You know what I mean? I, if, if I, you know, got run over by a bus tomorrow, they, they, I'm sure they could continue to run the business very effectively. Uh, and they're all great people. I love to work with them. It's fun to come into work. And, and, and you know what, that's huge. I, I used to say when I, when I first moved over to, to Zurich, um, you know, I mean, you probably, you know, the stereotypical, the mentality of, uh, you know, the, the, the stereotype of, of a Swiss banker, a little bit staid, a little conservative. Uh, and you know what, it's not that far from accurate. Um, and when I got in there, when, when I started, even as an intern, I was just, you know, I, I was kind of an outlier. I was just like, hey, here's this stupid American. He seems he seems happy. What's his problem? <laughs> you know? right. And um, and I kind of developed this little philosophy, I guess you'd call it. You know, it's like, you know, you 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 sleep about a third of your life. You work about a third of your life. And then the rest of that time you call your own. And if you're not happy working, then that's a terrible situation, I think. You know, there is. That's right. you do. Yeah, you got to enjoy what you do. You do it. You're spending enough time doing it, so you might as well make it fun. And oh, by the way, I find that people are generally very much better at what they do if they enjoy what they do. So, so I consider myself extremely lucky. I live here in the beautiful Green Mountains. Uh, I get to I get to uh, feed my passion for skiing, and um, yeah, I get to run a what I consider a really cool business. Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's a ton of fun and you, you, you tell your story well you know I was very fortunate and blessed to grow up with an entrepreneur and I, I kind of knew that and, and and many of my years caddying growing up so many folks talk about that in terms of hey it should be fun and, and the way you kind of control your own your own destiny and that's, that's the reason I left New York you know I was I was having fun for a while and it became a point where it just wasn't fun it, it became work and right. so you know I've been blessed to have a partner in Jack almost 20 years we've been we, we've been coaching together and we've been doing the show now for almost six years and we, we work hard we work a lot but we, we it's not work you know, Jack and I are having a lot of fun doing this stuff. And, and you can always tell when people are, are enjoying themselves. It comes across, again, very just uh, comfortable in their own skin and, and, and just very genuine. You come across that way you know, tremendously, Peter. I'm glad you, even though you took that circuitous route to kind of get here after a couple of decades, you found, you found your spot and you seem to really be, be thriving and, and doing very, very well. And, uh, really appreciate you sharing your story with us today. Yes, very much so. Very much so. You're just a pleasant guy to be around. So. Yes, wow. you're you're a natural for this. So, <laughs> thank you both so much for the opportunity. It's really been fun, you know, this this chat today, but also when we met previously, uh, it's it's really been a pleasure to speak with you. Well, we, we appreciate it. You know, it's really important for us, and, and and part of what we try to do here on Dirty Secrets of Small Business is try to share a lot of these kind of stories. And so, obviously, Jack and I have, have a lot of stories, but we always love to hear from the entrepreneurs themselves. And uh, there's always great nuggets coming out of this, you know, even every, as we have these, these different discussions, but I think as you tap into things that you really enjoy, you mentioned like your, your passion for traveling and kind of how that was and, and your, your love for negotiations, you, you reflect upon these things, you start to realize, well, hey, why are these opportunities interesting to me? And so for our, for our folks who are listening, you know, again, there's opportunities in front of you as well, you know, so whatever you're kind of doing and, and, and you know, be more of that to, to say yes to these things now in terms of just kind of see where it kind of goes and, and you might discover Again, a nice little business like like Peter discovered here. Again, he, he wasn't even thinking about this, you know, 20 years ago, but now all of a sudden he, here he is and he's having a ton of fun doing it. So look for those opportunities and, and, and be able to find ways to get those kind of deals done. So um, so that's our show for today. I appreciate you, appreciate you all joining us. Uh, if you missed any of our prior shows, you get them all on our website, dirtysecretsofsmallbusiness.com. 
Um, most of the shows are, are just like today. They're geared towards, you know, standing the test of time. There's some very good stories, very good lessons that, that are part of them. I've got over 300 shows that are there. So if you go check them out, you, you can go, you can see them there. Uh, better yet, if you have a, a smart uh, device, uh, use whatever podcast player you like, Spotify, iHeart, uh, Apple Podcasts, and subscribe to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. We usually drop a new episode every Thursday. It'll be, it'll be delivered right to your smartphone for you there. Um, as you go to the site, if you have questions, uh, you can see on the episodes, there's a search box there. You can search whatever questions you've got. And usually the episodes will come up and show that the ones that, that address that question. Um, if you don't find episodes that address it, please email us at radio at maximumvp.com or give us a call 877-849-0670. Uh, again, Peter, thanks again for being here with us today. We really enjoyed uh, you sharing your story with our audience. And uh, Jack, I'll be talking with you again in our audience next week. So everybody have a great week. and We'll be talking with you all next week. Thank you, Peter. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Jack. All the best. All right.